Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Sabonak-Chanko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Today's guest is Mike Rucker, the Chief Digital Officer for Active Wellness, who recently sat down with me to discuss the future of technology in the fitness industry. We discuss everything from AI to webhooks, what excites and scares Mike when it comes to technological advancements, and much more. Enjoy. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Um, I know that you uh, have a book out, and I just wanted to ask, how's the book tour going? Are you coming up on the end of it? What's the experience been? Yeah, it's been really fun. Thanks for asking. So I've been on a brief sabbatical from Active Wellness, wrote a book. My, academically, I studied organizational psychology and so wrote a book about looking at the construct of fun. Actually talk about the industry a little bit in the book, you know, how we can use fun as a way to get people to engage in healthier habits. In fact, my fellow author, James Clear, just kind of gave it a nod this week. So I was like, yay, you know, Amazing. because... I think so many of us have looked at delayed gratification as some sort of, you know, virtuous act. And yet we know in behavioral science, if people don't enjoy the things they uh, like, then they don't stick with them. And so in that context, I think the book, you know, has some interesting information for folks in our industry, but it is really a broad based look at the construct of, you know, really reconnecting with leisure and fun because so many of us, especially in the West aren't, you know, this year on LinkedIn, you know, once again, it was shared that we're the second to last in the developed world with regards to providing leisure to employees and just what kind of impact that's having on folks. You know, I think as an industry, we care a lot about mental health, just not just physical health. And mm -hmm. it's clear that, you know, this overwork is leading to a lot of poor outcomes, both physically and psychologically. So it's it's having its moment. So thanks for asking. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. And then what's the name again for those who want to check it out? The Fun Habit. Okay, perfect. Yeah, very relevant topic for the fitness industry right now. So yeah, well, um, one of the other reasons why I wanted to talk to you is you're going to be shifting on... gears here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, shifting gears. Yeah, we're going to be uh, having the Club Solutions Leadership Summit next week. And you're appearing as a panelist on the topic of technology. So in our discussion, for that, you know, we started talking about webhooks, which was a completely new term for me and something I was unaware of. And I kind of figured that was something the audience might be unfamiliar with as well. So I wanted to have you on so we can talk about that, AI, APIs, all those things. But yeah, let's let's start with webhooks. What exactly are those? Yeah, so webhooks are a way for a application to essentially take an action on another application or web page on your behalf. So where APIs were really about sharing information and passing different activity through information from one piece of technology to another, webhooks can actually allow you to use that piece of technology. So to put it into an example that's understandable, right? So for instance, if I have a member app and I want to be able to do things with that member app using a separate application. Like, so for instance, manipulating um, membership data, like my address or, you know, buying something, then I can use a webhook to have one single application take action on my behalf on multiple applications. So it's really a way to interact with other applications as a proxy, where APIs were really about and are really about you know, passing information from one application to another. Okay. Yeah. And that is an exciting development because APIs have open APIs have been a little bit slow to develop in the fitness industry space, right? 
I think so. Yeah, we certainly worked with providers that have indicated, you know, that APIs were coming. And I think because with the exception of business intelligence data, you know, where you are seeing ample access more on the health side, which we really do care about here at Active Wellness, that's been harder to get. And I think there's good reason for that. We don't necessarily know what to do with it yet, but it's still provided in what we call flat files, which are essentially Excel files or CSV files, right? And so that requires an extra burden on the operator's part to make sense of it. And so we found innovative ways to do it, but if they did have APIs, it would make it a lot easier for us. Yeah. Yeah. You guys uh, recently worked with, um, I think it's called Middle, right? Can you talk a little bit about how you use that to bridge that data gap that you've referenced? Yeah, definitely. Middle is a new product from the company Perkville that's been around in our industry for a while, but it's a piece of software I find really interesting because it essentially does allow you to talk to all of these different programs and they are implementing, I think in Q3 of this year, the ability to do webhooks. So for a lot of us, what's been challenging, I think, for our industry in particular, is when we can pair ourselves to other health management modalities, they really have this per user per month model for their pricing. But clubs really want a per club pricing, which I think has kept us a little bit without the ability to innovate, right? Because, you know, we call this a total addressable market. There just hasn't been the opportunity in our space to really develop robust technology, except for the major players that can, you know, use something outside of our industry like Salesforce, or, you know. And so that has really made us have to cobble together all of these off-the-shelf solutions that have that, you know, per club, per month price. What Middle has done is really looked at our industry and understood that problem and is allowing operators to be able to pull in data from all of these systems in innovative ways. So for instance, again, I don't want to like name drop these pieces of technology, but a couple of pieces of technology that really haven't given us access to the data, but do allow for us to do data exports. We're able to pull those flat files into the Amazon cloud. So for folks that are familiar with the vernacular and AWS S3 bucket. And so we pull the data, which into essentially the cloud, and then middle allows us to coalesce that data and make sense of it. And so that we can now create our own data products. And that's something that we've never been able to do. Essentially, you know, we need to do the data migration ourselves and make sense of it. And that extra effort generally means you're only able to kind of identify one or two things with regards to what you can do. And now we can look at it as a holistic system, which is really exciting. No, that makes sense. And, you know, if you're a smaller operator too, all of that data and not being able to kind of view it cohesively. I mean, a lot of people don't have the resources to kind of analyze all that and piece it all together. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so what you can do is start to create if-then statements. So once you do have access to that data and you understand, you know, what is going to be important, right? What might have a financial impact for your club or what might be able to augment the member experience, you can then create what are called triggers you know, that allow either the further creation of data products, you know, I want to coalesce activity data with, you know, retention data, right? So you could see what's potentially, you know, having folks a trit, and then that might trigger an email or an offer or, you know, reward points to incentivize that person to come back in. And so you can get ahead of when this person, you know, might actually leave your club. 
where before we were really doing it, you know, only based on, you know, potentially a trigger like 90 days out, right? And what we know from folks like Paul Bedford's work is that that's just too late. And so not only have you already lost the member, but now you're losing money too, right? Because the intervention isn't effective. So we're able to pull in different data points and tell a better story and now actually get in front of some of these situations in a more educated way. And not only that, but because of technology like Middle have the ability to automate, you know, what might be potentially the intervention as well, because you'll see the trigger based on your data product. And then you can use that data product to trigger the action that needs to be taken. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very exciting. (laughs) I know you mentioned too that you're excited that, you know, we as an industry can now analyze usage data and offer personalized workout plans and nutrition advice. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, why that excites you and what opportunities it provides clubs? Yeah. So for a long time as being kind of a health tech geek, right? I think the panacea for, you know, all health interventions based on digital health technology are closed loop systems. And so we now have the ability to see through, you know, the data that we're collecting, how a member is progressing through their journey and not have to make sort of, you know, these macro customer journey maps. We can now start to tailor that customer's journey based on where they are, right? And so, for instance, what happens if someone gets injured and you're kind of continually pushing them, you know, through the same track that someone might have if they're a healthy individual, they're going to lose interest. And so we're now able to tailor like, oh, there's a life event, you know, that's happened to this member. How can we support them in that and then still maintain that relationship with the club, right? And so there's that. And then there's also the ability if someone has gotten injured to completely retailor their exercise regimen based on emerging AI. So, okay, we need to completely augment this person's exercise regimen at scale. How can we do that without it being, you know, completely boilerplated? And this technology is now allowing us to do that, you know, with some human intervention, but then also, you know, with a lot more agility through the use of AI. And consumers are expecting personalized kind of plans, right? I mean, we're used to that as consumers throughout a lot of our life and interactions with other businesses. So it does make sense that they'd expect that from their fitness facility as well. Yeah. And I think more hands off too, right? Like I want it to be there when it's there. You know, we've talked about for some time, like, you know, everyone wants that Uber experience. And, you know, I kind of scoffed at that early on, but I think that is growing in sentiment. And so how we navigate that will be really interesting. Of course, there's so much disruption right now that, you know, we can only sort of be presumptuous. But when you look at the younger generation's preferences, they really do want to self-serve. And so how can we cater to that, you know, without, you know, completely isolating our other members in the club, but we need to also understand where the puck's going. And so the ability to create an experience that gives them what they want, you know, and meet them where they're at does become important. And so I think that AI is going to have a huge impact in that area because it allows us to do that at scale. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about AI's implications on the fitness industry. And I know you kind of have a hot take about um, salespeople, right? (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting in the context that you're seeing in other industries, the reduction in Salesforce. And I think we're seeing it a little bit in our industry. We played a little bit with Conversica, which is, has a lot of horsepower, um, but is extremely effective. 
And so I don't necessarily think the salesperson is going away, but I think the heavy lift, you know, because, you know, depending on who you ask, it takes about a dozen touch points or more, you know, to really close the sale. And so to have the ability to have some of those touch points done in a still personable way without human interaction is here today and how we'll use it will be really interesting. But one of the things that you and I talked you know, offline about, right, was uh, what we're seeing in fast food right now. So it's one thing to go into a McDonald's or a Wendy's and not see a single salesperson, right? That's sort of novel and it's coming. You're also seeing it in airports across the United States. But what was just in the New York Times is the fact that that's likely coming even in the drive-through where you're going to have your conversation with an AI chatbot probably in the next 12 months, right? So the entire staff within these restaurants are going to be only in the kitchen, right? Now, is that going to happen to us in the next 12 months? Probably not. But I certainly think in the next two to three years, the way that we sell is going to be you know, dramatically disrupted. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting to think about because just like, you know, if I was going to Wendy's and I went up to a kiosk and customized my burger and my and what sides I wanted, could you see there being a potential future where I walk into a gym and I customize my membership and I pick what add-ons I want and things like that? Yeah, we're actually exploring that right now at Active, you know, and I think that becomes really interesting in the sense of what that bundle looks like, right? And so you're able to augment that, you know, one, based on the preferences of a particular club, but then two, it, you're putting more control and, you know, with the member and giving them what they want. And so I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there is certainly some cons and I don't want to skirt that, you know, we're really driven, you know, and, and employee centric, right? So I think there's going to be some heartburn, even just figuring out, okay, well, this does work, but to what degree do we want to really lean into it? You know, and I think every organization is going to have that moment, right? Of where do they feel like, yes, I want to take some advantage, but I also want to make sure that I'm, you know, an employee-centric organization. But to your point, I think the benefit for the member is amazing because they will be able to tailor an experience that's really meaningful for them instead of being sold, you know, by the salesperson of what that person feels is good for them. And then we're going to get richer data too, right? Like, okay, oh my goodness, we're being told what people want rather than trying to sell them on something they never wanted in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And it's also going to create different tiers, which I think has always, you know, for me, and again, I might have a bias, but it's always been interesting, right? You can either, you know, have this high-end trainer experience, or we're going to, you know, rent our equipment to you, right? And there's <laughs> never been a middle ground. Like, hey, you know, there's sort of this, you know, middle space where, you know, we're going to make sure that you know what you want, um, but then we're going to get out of your way. And so I will name drop Jim because we really like our partnership with them. And what I was amazed to see is, especially with our aging well population, the ability of us to augment in a very positive way the onboarding process. Because I remember we had a club in Santa Cruz area of California, and I saw two different times I was working, I think, on the telephones, right? But I was just observing the floor and two different people. It, it was just a step climber. Get on it, not know how to use it and leave the club, right? And like that just blew me away. Like this is happening, right? Yeah. And so... 
you just don't see that, you know, with the e-gym equipment because the onboarding process is so white glove. And I think that's another role where all of this technology has a place to play is you really are finally opening it up to folks that felt really intimidated because these installations really do cater to a different type of consumer that want to go in there and be kind of told what to do or have a program that reduces the cognitive load, right? And so we're there now, right? We're providing a space where it's like, I've been told I want to get healthy. I know that this isn't necessarily going to be a, a great time, but if you lead me through this, I'll do it. And that's where we're at now. Where before, I think a lot of times we failed. We thought that people you know, knew what they were doing. And if no one asked them, you know, they, they just left because it was too intimidating. Yeah. No, I think that's really fascinating because I do think for a long time, there's kind of, you've kind of heard that phrase that the fitness industry was kind of just helping fit people get fitter. And it sounds like technologies like eGym could really help bridge that gap and help us expand more into that other 80% that has been so coveted and, you know, really needs our help. And I don't think it's just the fitness industry, quite honestly, as an academic, you know, I was so surprised that when I leaned into the workplace wellness literature, the self-selection bias for all of this research, I mean, it's quite profound, right? It is exactly that. Like we tend to cater to the folks that do want it because of course there's that affinity and it makes sense. Like we shouldn't fault ourselves for that, but we haven't asked these broad-based questions of what do we do when someone's intimidated? Like they're not going to initially be anointed, right? We really do need to figure that out. And I think that's why you saw so many folks like stay at their physical therapy gym. And like, you know, the amount of um, folks that like, that's just where I go to work out, like really? But that's because that's where their tribe was, right? And talking to folks like Chris Crater, you know, like once someone goes through a cardiac rehab cohort, they don't really want to leave that group, right? They don't ever want to go back to the gym floor. So this idea that these are going to be entry points in, we've got to kind of get past that. And it's like, okay, we have folks that want to be with their tribe. How can we support that better? How can we make a place that's more inclusive where we're being empathetic to our members' needs um, instead of sort of prescribing like, no, this is the way you're going to do it in our club, right? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, what else is top of mind right now for you in regards to technology and the fitness industry? So we've talked a lot about the upside. I think some of the downside, you know, especially for folks in my position are going to be the threats, right? Like as we do create these more inclusive experiences and finally we're starting to build this bridge with healthcare, you know, what are the HIPAA implications? What are the GINA Act implications? And then, you know, how is AI going to be used to attack our workforce? You know, this story made the rounds over the last couple of weeks. There's a group out of Mexico that targeting TikTok influencers you know, of a young age, and if they can accumulate just five minutes of their voice, they're able to create a bot that sounds like your child and calls you up and and the child tells you they've been kidnapped, right? And so all of us have gotten these SMS attacks, uh, you know, that are essentially pretending to be our CEO asking for gift cards. Yes. someone is calling our employees and they sound exactly like our CEO, it's going to be a much bigger problem. And that is coming, you know, within a year or two. So those are the types of things that keep me up at night, because this is certainly going to allow 
folks that are much less sophisticated, you know, attack our fortress in ways that we can't really fathom right now. So uh, that's mm -hmm. another, you know, thing that with all the good that comes, you know, I think we need to pay attention to where that's going and figure out, you know, how we can defend against it. And then yeah. I think, you know, customer service, you know, we're already seeing it, but I think things like chatbots and the ability to, you know, fill in, you know, schedules in a way uh, that's more sophisticated, you know, certainly here now, but we're going to see it be commoditized and more affordable even for, you know, smaller operations. And then the ability to augment our class schedules. So I think I've talked to you before about Tanakh, you know, we're not using them anymore, but one of the things that they were on the forefront of was essentially creating a money ball score for you know different class types and different instructors i think you'll see that come back initially it was done by trying to collect member data but i think now that we can pull data from different sources having the ability to understand where our members want the classes and which ones are going to be the most impactful is going to get really interesting over the next couple of years you know it used to We've always been able to do it, but it wasn't approachable for, you know, different reasons. You know, it, it was resource intensive and that's going to, you know, the barrier to entry is going to be much lower here in the next couple of years. So that would be pretty interesting as well. Yeah, certainly. Well, it sounds like it's a very exciting and kind of mm -hmm. scary time in the fitness industry right now when it comes to tech. In every industry, what are we talking about? <laughs> in our industry and every other industry known to man. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate that lowdown. Um, I think you've given our audience some really exciting concepts to kind of um, pontificate on. So yeah, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast and I look forward to seeing you at the Leadership Summit. Yeah, I can't believe it's a week away. I know, wild. <laughs> awesome. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.